Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. Conflict with people. And you can't be in holiness and being in conflict because the Bible says, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. So peace and holiness go together. You can't give yourself to... Look, you've got to protect your spirit. You've got to protect your spirit. Look, look at somebody and say, I've got to protect my spirit. Tell somebody else, I love you, but I've got to protect my spirit. So don't be coming to me with junk. I, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good tonight. I, I spend less and less, I'm telling you, maybe it's my age, but you know, Brother Ryan, I spend hardly any time on social media anymore. I just ain't got time for it. It just, it just pollutes my spirit. Did you see what so-and-so posted on Facebook? No. That's like a bunch of social media peeping Toms. You're peeping in everybody's windows, seeing their dirty laundry. I don't want to see that mess. I don't want to see that mess. I get, I get on there every once in a while. Said, oh, I've seen your post on there. Yeah. I, I, I had somebody, uh, maybe it was my wife, somebody asked me last year, I was like, people, you need to go in there and like their comments. They're commenting on it. I, I ain't even reading the comments. I'll get on there about twice a week and read stuff, and I'm really close to my altar of prayer when I do. And it's not that I don't want to engage. It's, man, there's some stuff on there. And oh, I'm not talking about world stuff. I'm talking about church folks stuff on there. Supposed to be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and putting all their business out there. And so, look, I ain't got time for that. I ain't got, I really don't got a lot of time for that. I, my, maybe my fault is that if there's one media, social media platform I'm on, it's, it's Twitter. Because how dramatic can you be in 140 characters? Now, I, I kind of like Twitter. And even then, I don't engage a lot. You've got to protect your spirit. You've got to guard your spirit. You can't just let everybody talk junk. Because here's the problem. We have a tendency to believe the more dramatic. I might not be on your street, but I'm in your zip code tonight. We have a tendency to believe the dramatic. Never believe one side of any story. I am shocked at the amount of people that will hear something and believe it without going to the other person. You know what that tells me? If you believe it by hearing one side, that tells me you had a prejudice against the person they said it about. Because if you were truly neutral, if you were truly interested, you would immediately go to the other person and go, is this true? Oh, but they told me they didn't want me to tell because they were playing to your prejudice because they knew you already had a prejudice against them. These are wishing I wish I had the wooden pulpit. I could hide behind. I could just duck a little bit. Somebody tells me, I'm going to get the other side of the story. I've, I've, I've had them in my office, and they tell me, well, they did you. They, this. 
What are you doing, Pastor? I'm calling them right now. But I wasn't supposed to tell. Too late. You're not going to put that on the table and then expect me to, because what you want me to do is walk away believing your side of the story. You don't want me to get the other side of the story. We, we can call this thing right now. Anytime somebody comes to you and say, I just want you to know. Do you, do you need to stop and say, okay, well, I want you to know. Whatever you tell me, I'm going to them next, and I am going to verify what you said. But the bet, and you know what, 90% of the time that's going to stop it. Because if they're still dumb enough to tell you, then that means they think they've got a chance to convince you. I've had people come in, did you know that so-and-so was saying this about you? <laughs> Not one time was I ever surprised. <laughs> Not one time did I go, really? What else did they say? Usually my next question is, why did they feel so comfortable with you to say that? Why did they feel like they could tell you that? Was it because you kind of put that out there? Because they weren't picking up good vibrations. They weren't picking that up. They knew there was a, there was a little tendency right there. Amen. I'm going to save you from a lot. Now, if you want drama in your life, do the opposite of what I'm saying. Have a big ear and a long tongue. <laughs> tell me, tell me. <laughs> like an old basset hound ear flapping out there. And drag that tongue to every, I almost said chat room. We don't even have those anymore. Every text thread. Every email, every social media post, put it in prayer requests, whisper it in the hallways of church, tell somebody. I've seen hell abort many revivals by people believing junk that wasn't true. Amen. Somebody ever comes to you and says, did you hear this about so-and-so in the church? Say, no, I didn't, but let's call them right now. Let's, 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 I was several, several years ago, I was at a table, and they were, some guy, I didn't, I didn't really know him, kind of had a history of having a big mouth, and he started popping off about a preacher, a well-known preacher in our movement, and I said, man, I hadn't heard this, and so I got on my phone, and I, I started calling him, put it on speakerphone, and everybody's like, what are you doing on my phone, and when I flipped it around, and the guy answered, his name is real bright across my and I said, Brother so-and-so, there is a guy sitting here right now telling us that he knows for a fact that you did A, B, and C. And I'm going to tell you, if that guy could have curled up and died, he would have. And he started backpedaling. I mean, it sounded like Fred Flintstone. I mean, he was... Elmer Well, I, I heard, and I said, well, no, hold on, he's right here. Tell him. Listen, life ain't a soap opera. End the drama with one phone call. Call the person they're talking about and do it in their presence. Now, if they're talking about a brother and sister in the, in the church, You, you better be defensive of your family. If they're talking about a leader in the church, call the leader. 
Don't sit there and listen to it. Shovel it up and sit there and dig through it. Well, I can believe that. Oh, I don't know. You know what? They looked at me that way once too. Yeah. The quickest way to abort revival before it can get rolling. That didn't cost you anything. That wasn't in my notes. That, didn't, that was absolutely free. But if you listen to that, you're going to have a lot less drama in your life. I had a friend of mine, I have a friend of mine that pastors in another state. He said, man, I don't know how you do it. He goes, I, I'm in the office 25, 30 hours a week counseling. I said, because you listen to too much junk. I said, start calling them out on that mess. Call them out on it. He said, well, what, what do you mean? I said, anytime, because most of it's just this one said this about this one, that one. It only run about 200, 250 people. I mean, 30 hours a week. I said, my Lord, are you, where are you living? You, you, you pastor days of our lives? Is that what it is? I mean, what, what is this? Well, it's this family and that family and this. No, 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 no. no pick up the phone. You'll end it quick. I'm proud to say within a month he cut his counseling down by about 70%. (laughs) Listen, I ain't got time for that. You shouldn't have time for that. If you're going to worship the Lord in holiness as a true worshiper, you cannot bring people's toxicity into the presence of God. I'm amening myself right now. You cannot bring... Other people's junk into God's presence, and you can't bring your junk in God. Now, you, this is why I'm talking about true worship, because you can boogie-woogie and electric slide with a fast beat and fool everybody. But true worship, you're not bringing that junk into the presence of a holy God. He will reject it every time. Amen. Y'all doing okay? Psalm 15 is a psalm of holiness. Everybody say holiness. This psalm has got to be placed in practice in every one of our lives. We've got to practice Psalms 15. It's not easy to practice. I didn't say it was easy to practice, but it's something that must be practiced. Holiness is, is who God is. That is. We say, well, God is love. Well, yeah, but you know, the Bible only says that one time, and it doesn't invalidate it. But the Bible says a whole lot more. Matter of fact, the one thing the Bible says God is the most, it says he's holy. And if he's a holy God, then why are we not obsessed with holiness? Come on now. I mean, that's like saying, well, I want to be a doctor, but I'm going to take tennis at college for eight years. You're obsessed with the wrong thing. You're never going to get there. If you want to be more like God, you've got to find out who God is. Well, God's a God of blessing. Yes, he is. Well, God's a God of love. Yes, he is. God's a God of joy. Yes, he is. But 10 to 1, he's a God of holiness. When you see people dropping holiness in their personal life, you see a church dropping holiness. What you see them doing is disconnecting with a God that is sacred and precious and holy. We should be more preoccupied with who God is and his holiness than we are with anything else in our life. When we are meditating on the holiness of God, here's a few of the things that will take place in your soul. Here's just, 
Here's just about five or six things that will take place in your heart when you're meditating on the holiness of God. Number one, you'll become aware of your own sinfulness. You ever, you ever been in a deep move of God and went, oh, you started like, I'm, I'm serious now. Are you ever, and, and if you haven't been, then you, you need to check your prayer life. Has God ever moved in your prayer life in a way, and, and how long has it been since you moved into a place of prayer where you went, oh, God, forgive me, oh, God, and you already repented, but you know what that was? That was the holiness of God moving into that place. God, we say, we want more of God, we want more of God. No, you want more goosebumps. If you really want more of God, it'll put your nose in the carpet from time to time. Amen. I don't know if we're ready for this tonight. But I remember the old timers used to curl up in the floor and call it purging. They, they would be in the depths of the throes of prayer, agonizing, and, and I mean on the floor shaking, tears and snot and slobber. It wasn't anything you'd want to put on the Facebook page. You wouldn't want to put this on the church website. And they would be crying, and, and they would say God was purging them. We don't do it. You know how we purge ourselves? Send it on down. Send it on. That's how we purge. We don't want to get that deep. We don't want to get that deep. Because that deep, boy, it'll change some stuff in you. You get that deep in the presence of God, all of a sudden you're not comfortable watching things you watch now. You get that deep in God, you won't be comfortable having some conversations you're comfortable with right now. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm talking about the portrait of a true worshiper. A true worshiper. Because you'll become aware of your own sinfulness. Number two, you'll become aware of the sinfulness of those around us and society at large. You'll look at the world and realize how sinful they are. Not in a way because you're better than them, but in a way that you'll realize how much they need Jesus and how much we can't align with them. Number three, we will live a life of repentance, pleading with the Lord to cleanse us because we want to be in that deep place with him. We want to be in that place of true worship. Number four, you will have a proper view of God and his exaltation in your life. Number five, we will long to give up our evil ways and seek the righteous ways of God. I don't want a walk with God that leaves me as I am right now. I want, to, I, want to, I want to follow God in a way that pulls me from where I am in this moment and draws me to be more like him. Every once in a while, we got to look back and say, what have I given up lately to get closer to God? And a lot of times it's just for a season. Meals, entertainment. I know, I know we don't talk about that anymore, but you see the old solution for, I can't, I, I want more of God, I, I can't feel God, whatever it was. They'd say, well, then uh, you need to give up some stuff for a while. That was usually their solution, give up something. Like what? What do you really love? <laughs> Y'all think I'm joking. What do you really love? 
And you'd say, man, you would almost say like broccoli. I love broccoli. I love turnip greens and mayonnaise. <laughs> you know me, I hate them things. They're from the devil himself. Amen. No, you say, what do you love? And, and, you say, and they go, give it up. Oh, give it up. I was preaching in Texas a few years ago, and one of the, uh, one of the ministerial staff members came up to me, and he said, do you remember that first year you came here and preached when uh, you were evangelizing? And I said, no, not really. <laughs> it's been a long time ago. He goes, well, you, you were preaching. We were in this revival, and this was in East Texas. And, and I said, uh, he said that. I looked at him, and I said, brother, God's going to use you. But before God can use you, he wants to see if you can give up the thing you love most and that you're most passionate about. And he said, if you'll lay it on the altar tonight, you'll give it up for one year, God's going to use you. I said, Wow. He goes, I'm going to tell you, that was a rough year. I said, what did you give up? He goes, Dallas Cowboys. Now, you may not understand this, but if, if you ever lived in East Texas, you know what a big deal that is. There's Jesus and the Dallas Cowboys, and sometimes it's like this. And this is a guy who played collegiate football, and he loved football. He gave it up for a year. He gave it up for a year. He wouldn't read anything about it. He took all his jerseys and paraphernalia. He put them in boxes and stored them away in a garage somewhere. He didn't have one Dallas Cowboy. Now, listen, there ain't no sin about uh, 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 football or, or any of that unless you're worshiping it. So how do I know if I'm worshiping it when you get more excited about that than you do about church? Then you're worshiping it, and you put an idol before the Lord. Hey, man, we used to say, we used to preach about idols all the time. Whatever gets you more excited than the house of God, you're worshiping that. Whatever you give more devotion than you do to the things of God, you're worshiping that. I know it's old-fashioned, but, you know, amen. Put, just put polyester on me and call me outdated, amen. You better give it up. It's still right in 2022. It was right in 1986. It was right in 1992. It was right in 2000. It's right in 2022. If you put it before God, you worship it. You worship it. Amen. Lord have mercy. I'm on page two. He gave it up for a year. Wouldn't have anything to do with it. Wouldn't listen to it on the radio. Nothing. Wouldn't do, have anything to do with it. And he said, he goes, man, I didn't like you for the first nine months. He said, first night, he goes, and all of a sudden, God just started breaking my wheel. And he said, the next thing I know, and he goes, it was right around that one-year mark. He said, God began to open up opportunities of ministry. God began to, he said, an anointing came into my life, and, and he's been mightily used of God to this day. I had no idea. I didn't know what that was. I don't even remember saying it. Somebody would come to me sometimes, you remember you preaching revival and you said, I'm always cringing. Because there was some stuff I said, man, Lord have mercy. I, would, I know it was anointed, but I didn't used to have the greatest attacked. Amen. <laughs> and that's a truth. My wife can verify that. I'd be in revivals and turn around and point people out on the platform and quit. Quit looking at pornography. I got a little more seasoned, you know. <laughs> I learned how to whisper that. 
Turn around, looked at one, looked at an, uh, a musician one time. I said, "You better quit watching that pornography. It's going to ruin your family, and you're going to lose your sons." I turned around, the whole church is going. <laughs> have mercy! Thank God we didn't have live streams back then. <laughs> I was on church in Louisiana one time, and this every night of this revival, God kept dealing. There's somebody in here in adultery. And I just kept, I said, sir, you're in adultery and you better repent right now. It's going to destroy your family. Last night of that revival, I said, God's given you one more chance. And I had my eyes closed. I didn't, I didn't know until that night who it was. I mean, it wasn't a big church. It could have, you know, process of elimination. There's only like 70 people there. And I had my eyes closed, but I pointed right at him. And it was the head deacon in the church. Big old dude, about six foot six, about 330, 350 pounds. I pointed at him and I said, sir, I know her name and I know where she lives and I know you were there last night. And I said, you better repent right now. Boy, he stormed out of that church. I took my wife to that, by that church. We were leaving because of, time, because of times a couple of years ago. And I'll never, I pulled up in that parking lot. Of that church, I still remember after church, boy, he was mad. I'd have been mad too. I want to tell you, when, when, when God really gets to moving, real revival gets to moving, it, it's, it's, it's not some prophet, P-O-R-F-I-T, coming through. Just, you know, rattling off 50 things that could be wrong with you until he hits one. And what's sad, we ain't got enough pastors that God gave enough good sense to come out of the rain that can't call these frauds out. Well, your grandmother had this. You got this. I, I see a problem in your neck. No, your shoulder. No, your back. No, your feet. No, your knee, 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 in your knee. Yeah. Well, my Lord, they're 400 pounds overweight. I imagine they do got knee problems. Hey, I ain't playing like that. If you're a prophet, you better be a prophet and you miss it. I'm telling everybody you missed it. Had some guy prophesying that Trump was winning 2020. And then when he lost 2020, he said, well, they stole it from me because God told me he's going to win it. I said, so what were we say? So the devil tricked God? I said, you didn't prophesy. You prophesied. You, pro you profited off of this is what you did. Every month, he's really in the White House. He's in a bunker underneath. And if you send me $50 and... End of that service, the pastor came up to me. Oh, bless his heart. He, he was a good man. He passed away a few years ago. He was a nervous little guy, and he comes up, and, and uh, he says, I always, back then I always carried an uh, attache case with me. He goes, oh, brother, don't go out there. Don't go. Uh, he's mad. He, uh, he's, he's, uh, he wants to fight you. He, he's, uh, you know, he's old, he's old, old roughneck. And I said, he wants to fight me. He said, yeah. Now, look, <laughs> I still had a whole lot of redneck in me back in them days. I said, he wants to fight me. He said, yeah. oh, don't go out there. I mean, they're walking. Oh, don't go out there. Just, just wait till he cools down. He leaves. Don't go out. This is that, that church where. And so I don't know if I've told this story before. I walk out the back door, and he's sitting up against the back of my midnight blue Z71 pickup truck. And he's got his big old ham hock of an arm laying on him. And uh, I got mad. I don't know why. I don't think it was annoying, but it might have been. Sometimes they're indistinguishable, but I was, man, I was hot. As I thought to my, I was a little nervous walking out there. Look, I, I, you know, I'm not Mike Tyson. I can't whoop everybody. A whole lot of people I couldn't whoop. 
I broke many fists with my face. Some of you get that on the way home. But when I came out there, I'm telling you, boldness got a hold of me. I mean, it was like a bucket of warm, warm honey been poured. I was, I was mad and annoyed. That's a bad place to be. As I walked up to him, and I, want, I had to get on my tiptoes, but I slammed that attache case on that gravel parking lot. And I leaned, I said, all right, buddy, how do you want to do this, in the flesh or in the spirit? Because if it's in the flesh, you better get to swinging. If it's in the spirit, let's get to praying. Man, before I knew it, thank God, he started crying and repenting right there in the parking lot. I was talking in tongues out of relief. I was just like, oh, my God. Oh, hallelujah. Prayed with him right there. God restored him. God restored his, his, his marriage. And as far as I know, everything went well. And rainbows, sunshine, and lollipops. Amen. But true holiness, well, true holiness is a part of the portrait of a true worshiper. Because true holiness is God calling you out of things. Calling you out of things. We don't have a lot of people anymore. Now, I, I grew up, man, I mean, we have prophets like Prophet Bourne and Prophet McLean, Prophet uh, T.W. Barnes. My God, when I get around T.W. Barnes and these guys, I'd repent for things I didn't do. See, y'all must not have ever been around a real prophet like that. You get around a real prophet like that, and you will repent for things you weren't even a party to, but you had just heard about. Oh, God. I mean, I was a full-time preacher, and I'd spent time in, uh, with Prophet T.W. Barnes out of Menden, Louisiana. I'd sit in his office. Every time I'd walk in his, before I'd get in his office, I'd be like, oh, God, forgive me. Lord, I know in the first grade I stole a piece of bubble gum. Oh, God, please don't let him see that. I, I'm not, y'all think I'm exa- I'm not exaggerating. I said, God, I ran a red light six months ago. Don't let him see that. I'm going to go straight to hell. I'm talking about men of God that would look into your soul. We don't have a lot of that anymore. You want to know why? People won't have men of God like that anymore. Or they'll scare off the visitors. Well, you little limp-wristed sissy. A real move of God will attract people. We've ran them off. They're, we need men and women of prayer that want to draw closer to God. Amen. Praise God. Because that's what a true worshiper has. They have holiness in their life. And let me just say this. Holiness is, more, it's, holiness is more than a standard. It's more than a code. That is part of it, but it goes way beyond that. It goes way beyond that. And so Psalms... Uh, uh, Psalms 15 is is holding up a portrait for us of what a true worshiper is. I don't know about you, but I I want to be more like God. And I know the more I'm going to be like God, the less I can be like the world. Amen? This psalm concludes with a grouping of psalms. Psalms uh, chapter 9 through 15. They're all about the godly and the wicked. David is going to help define what a godly worshiper looks like. And while many may classify this as a psalm being a one of just holiness, we've got to be very clear that holiness covers far more than the do's and don'ts of living for God. 
If when you hear holiness, all you think is do's and don'ts, that's a sign of immaturity. Holiness is far more than the do's and don'ts. It's part of it, but it's the smallest part of it. Holiness is the character of God. It's having God's character, God's nature. Amen? A lot of folks want to reduce holiness. They want to push holiness out because holiness requires commitment. Holiness requires turning down some invitations. Not being a party to some situations. Not being at the table at some conversations. Amen. In fact, one of the reasons that many are struggling with identity in our day is because of the absence of this attitude that is expressed in Psalms chapter 15. David Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, Holiness is not something to be received in a meeting or a service. It is a life to be lived out in the detail of godly devotion." Steve Lawson said, and I quote, a deep realization of the blazing holiness of God is essential for all who would rightly approach God. Not until a person has beheld the holiness of God are they able to understand the true state of his or her spiritual condition. Everyone must see himself in light of the holy character of God. I don't judge myself by you. And you don't judge yourself by me. We must compare ourselves to him. Matter of fact, the Bible emphatically states that. It says it is unwise. Unwise would be foolish. Foolish would be sinful. To compare yourselves among yourselves. In other words, I don't look at you to define how holy I am. I look at him to define how holy I am. Because you know what we'll do? We'll point to the lowest. Well, I'm better than they are. That's human nature. Well, I'm not that bad. Oh, I'm not perfect. Don't judge. Isn't that our favorite go-to term now? Don't judge. Or only God can judge. I was somewhere a while back and saw a tattoo on somebody that said, only God can judge. And I thought, yep, he has. And he will. And you won't like it. One of the concepts in Psalms 15 moves us toward is to encourage us to look at how we approach God in the time of worship. It encourages us to examine how we are approaching God at the time of our worship, and I'm going to try to find somewhere to, to kind of land the plane here. I want to say this, and I don't want to get too deep into this. I'll pick up on this next week. But reverence is one of the most rapidly disappearing values of the previous generation. I'm going to say that again. Reverence is one of the most rapidly disappearing values of the previous generation. Because we are losing the majesty and the holiness of God in the church. Y'all still with me? Reverence is something that is evaporating in churches across America. We used to have high reverence for the house of God. Those were people more hungry for a move of God than they were to be accepted by this world. And if 
we're going to have a move of God that's going to turn woodland up on its ear and shake the foundations of hell. It's not going to be because we run the aisles fast and we dance good and we're going to do all of that. It's going to be when the people of God say, I'm going to be holy as he is holy. I'm going to worship not just from my emotion, but from the depth of my yearning to be in the presence of a holy God. Would you stand with me tonight? We've got to examine ourselves. We've got to examine ourselves. When we come into the presence of God on Sunday morning, we got a, we got prayer Thursday night. We got prayer Thursday night. Let me say this. You're involved in ministry. You need to be in prayer on Thursday night. I'm saying it backwards with my eyes closed. You've got no right to get on this platform if you're not on prayer on Thursday night. You got no right to be teaching Sunday school or be in any other position if you're not in prayer on Thursday night. And if you don't like it, see me after church out and resign your position. It's not optional. So I, I gotta have a life. Uh, you mean an uncrucified one? An uncrucified one. When the kingdom is first, you lay everything else down. I know that sounds a bit harsh, and I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm going to put a little salve on it right now. When you put the kingdom of God first, nothing else matters. But if you can't be faithful to prayer, you won't be faithful to anything else. We got prayer Thursday night. That's not him hauling around and praying. That's not in here mumble praying. It's prayer. 30 minutes of open prayer, 30 minutes of focused prayer. Thank God we've been having some prayers just been growing in intensity, been growing in number. Amen. This we got to be unified in prayer. Amen. You think that's that's Oh, that's a big requirement. I've got to be in prayer. Hey, you know how POA, POA, Alexandria, have this great, every year we pray hundreds of food, the Holy Ghost, they run, you know, small little church of 5,000 there in Alexandria. One of the requirements to serve in any position in that church is you must disciple somebody every year. You have to teach a Bible study, they be baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, and be a disciple in the church. You can't even pick up trash. You have to sign up for multiple hours of prayer at the church throughout the week. We're not going to have that level of revival with any less commitment. We're talking about the portrait of a true worshiper. How many feel the Spirit of the Lord just tugging on you right now? I want to be more like Him. I want to be more like Him. I want to be less like the world and I want to be more like Jesus Christ. I want to open these altars for just a moment. Amen. I feel the Spirit of the Lord calling us for us to come together. I feel the Spirit of the Lord just pulling on us as our, both of our campuses right now. And I'll tell you why the Lord's doing this, because this is kind of hard to do in the midst of a harvest. It's kind of hard to do when the babies are being born. Amen. It's a little too late to go back and sterilize the, the birthing center. That's what God's doing right now. He is preparing us for this great wave of harvest that is already rolling in. Amen. I said it Thursday night. We're not praying for the harvest. We're praying for laborers of the harvest. That's what we're doing. 
I want you to lift your voice with me right now, and I just want you to pray, God, make me holy even as you are holy, God. Lord, I want to be a true worshiper that worships you in spirit and in truth, Lord. I want to be that person, oh God, that gives themselves wholly, completely, totally to you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Just let it flow right now. Just let that free-flowing prayer, that free-flowing worship to the Lord right now. Almighty Savior, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for you. See that deep flow of the Holy Ghost? Right? God's attracted to consecration. He's attracted to dedication. Oh, Lord, I thank you, Jesus. I don't want just a mighty rush, amen, of a river. I want the deep flowing, powerful current of the Holy Ghost that changes lives in every service. Every time two or three are gathered in his name, that he shows up in the midst in a mighty way. Come on, I want to see cocaine addicts delivered this Sunday. Hallelujah. I want to see drunkards delivered this Sunday. I want to see broken homes restored this Sunday. In the name of Jesus. Go ahead, First Church. Go ahead and lift that voice to the Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. There's a call. There's a call. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.